0: We say a lot of things, we want to do a lot of things, we want to do well for others, right? But we don't always walk it out. So this morning, I don't want this to be a discouragement to you, I just want it to encourage you to open your eyes to see the opportunities around us. Um, the world is waiting for us to move to action and follow through with what we say we're going to do. Um, this culture that we live in is filled with people who say one thing and do another. And so it's time for the church, our church, the whole church, um, to step up and move to action and do the things that God has called us to do to partner with Him in the restoring um, of His people. We had such a great experience in Tijuana, Mexico last week. Um, From the moment we arrived in Mexico, you all would have been so proud of your church and your team members. Um, After an early day of travel, leaving... um, the airport at 5 a.m. And getting all the way to Mexico, having lunch, but then we stop by the church for a few minutes and our team immediately jumps in. They're like, how can we help? What can we do? Um, And I immediately thought of just the culture that we have been building around here of people stepping in, seeing the needs, and just looking for ways that they can help and bless others. So you all should be very proud of um, your church and your church family. Um, So this year we partnered with Perusia Church in Tijuana. You may remember last year, we did a few things with them throughout the week, but this year we had the privilege of being with them for the entire week. Pastor Rolando and his wife, Ruby, along with their two daughters, Abby and Melody, and two other kids that they take care of, Noel and Gael, were with us for the entire week, taking us all over the city of Tijuana to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, A team of 12, including myself, had a plan all laid out. We soon learned that Mexico flex. Mexico is still a thing. Same as last year. (laughs) What you think was going to take just a few minutes took a lot longer, or you had to go different places to get the things. But um, they did an amazing job of just rolling with the punches and um, just doing what they needed to do. So this morning, we have a few of them that are going to share for a few minutes just the impact that this trip made on them. um, And also to just encourage you to look at a missions trip in the future because um, it is such an important part of our discipleship journey and it definitely pushes us. A little quicker than maybe it would um, if we just had those experiences here in the United States so Mindy Corey is gonna come and share um, herself and her son Elijah who's 12 went on the trip this year
1: good morning oh my gosh it's really scary up here how do you do this (laughs) Okay, Um, last Sunday, before we left for our trip, Jordan had said something in his message about not getting to Jesus through second-hand sources. He said that we need to go to God directly and not through other people all the time, and that really struck a chord with me, so much so that we discussed it at Life Group later that day, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So as a person who loves a good podcast or a personal development book, it really hit me that I was spending too much time focusing on me and what I can do and not enough time letting God work through me instead. So on the flight to Tijuana, I was journaling about this, and the Lord really impressed on me that I needed to choose him first over all things. I realized he could change me from the inside out. I don't have to rely on my own effort, but I have to be willing him to give that space to do the work. So I was really convicted at that point to watch for God to nudge me while on this trip. I asked him to open my eyes to opportunities for choosing him over myself, and that happened a lot. So one thing that I witnessed that proved this more than anything was actually on our last day at the church. At the end of service, Emily had asked for people to come to the front that wanted prayer, you know, what we Americans refer to as the dreaded altar call. Okay, so very quickly I realized like half the church was up front with us and there was more of them than us to pray with. And for a lot of different reasons, these people just knew they needed to get closer to Jesus. It reminded me of Matthew 18:20, for where two or three gather as my followers, there I am among them. And I realized that all those people just wanted to draw closer to Jesus. They knew that we could do that for them through the laying of our hands and the prayers of our hearts. And despite the language barrier that we had, we could speak in love, and it was quite powerful. So I referred to it a minute ago as the dreaded altar call, and I say that because that's the way I always thought about it too, honestly. Us Americans get so caught up in wondering what other people must think is wrong with us if we're upfront asking for prayer, or we're feeling self-conscious because we feel like everyone's staring at us or something. but. In my mind, the altar call is just like our worship portion of the service. It's just a conversation between us and the Lord. And let's be honest, who doesn't need a little more Jesus in their lives, right? We all need to pray about something, good or bad. Whoever said that the altar call was only for when something is going wrong anyway. So my biggest takeaway from that was I needed a heart check. Apparently, I had to go all the way to Tijuana to figure this one out. But... Turns out I've been a little selfish and my priorities were a little whacked. So I am thankful to have witnessed what I did and I hope that I remain as vulnerable and as uncalloused as Tony mentioned that we should be during one of his speeches. The other thing I would like to share about is from this trip was how impactful it was to have the youth with us. I'll be honest, I was pretty nervous going into this trip, not knowing what to expect. I surely did not know what to expect out of our son Elijah or Emily's son Bennett but it um, turns out God was once again smarter than me. So I'm very grateful that I listened to his calling to bring our son with us. I cannot tell you how many times that we were serving, whether at the orphanage or the homeless shelter or at the dump, and Elijah and Bennett were the first ones to jump in every single time. They infused our trip with joy, fun, and bravery. Those two boys... Those two boys spoke their testimony in front of over 100 homeless men and women on a street corner with a microphone. When's the last time any of us did that, right? They looked people with obvious physical and mental problems in the eye, and they treated them with respect and dignity. They played games and made children who live in that dump laugh with joy. I'd never seen this side of them, but it gave me a gut check. Why wasn't I doing that? And by the end of the trip, I was brave enough to speak in front of the church, to lay hands on people and pray, but it's because those two went first. So I cannot stress enough how vital it is to include children and youth when we're serving. If, <laughs> thank you. So if you get the opportunity to go on a trip like we did, I really encourage you to pray hard about which child you're going to take if you can. Or even if you're just serving locally, don't discount how much value they bring. They will inspire you in ways you never thought possible. They will grow in their own faith and confidence, and the people you served will be blessed because of it. I could not be more proud of the way they behaved, their attitudes, and their maturity on this trip, and I'm so thankful they came with us.
0: Um, it is amazing, the kids on both ends, the kids that we brought with us and the kids there, just how they immediately can form friendships and show love and care for each other without all of the boundaries that often as adults we put up. So um, Tony Jones is here, round two for Tony. So um, yes, we're excited to have you share. this.
2: Oh, it's such a good trip. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few surprises that I had, having been there before I kind of had expectations that it would be the same, and it wasn't. Um, one of the things I noticed was just the kids' attitudes. Wherever we went, Tim started it. <laughs> Where you at, Tim? <laughs> Got me going. Uh, I'm emotional, so you've experienced that every time I talk, probably. Um, they they just were joyful and. We we had a piñata, so kids hitting out a piñata. The thing busts, kids go scramble into the middle, and it, and it looks chaos. And when they got done picking up all those pieces of candy, they went and gave to everyone around to make sure that everybody got a piece. Even us were like, no, we gave it to you. They're like, no. So that was really, really sweet to see. You know, my expectation was that it'd be mine, mine, mine. But everywhere we went, the dump we went, and they were they were sharing and loving and just really just dying for attention. And and I don't think I saw that. I think last year I was in the in the room trying to finish the drywall when they did the pinata. So I I, I saw it happen, but I didn't see it close up. So so maybe it wasn't different than last year, but it was just it was a sweet moment to see. Uh another thing that surprised me was hearing from Volunteers and the pastors. They, you know, my expectation there was, you know, these guys are in it. They're doing amazing. They're awesome. They're everything they do with so little. They just, they just pour their hearts out. And my expectation is that they're all good. But what we heard towards the end was that we were such a breath of fresh air for them that it renewed their meaning. It renewed. refresh them I didn't expect it (laughs) because to me it's a simple thing I mean we went and we fed some meals we played with some kids and we you know put some drywall up and we didn't do anything big you know we shared shared testimonies which that's that could be really impactful to somebody but not you know to these volunteers and pastors you know I just I don't know I didn't expect that to means so much to them so yeah it was a great trip
0: thank you tony one of the places we went called zone red um is a amazing organization it's very well run every piece is in its place everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it and i was actually shocked at the end um the director Daniela told me how much of an inspiration we were. And to us, it was like filling cups with juice, making plates of food. Um, but they said so often they get in the routine of just doing the things that sometimes you need just like other people to come in and just re-express God's love to people so that you're not just like doing all the things but then forgetting about the compassion of God. So it was really cool to see that. And now we have Stephanie.
3: Is going to share with us. Thank you. I did not want to follow Tony, <laughs> but Emily Sorry. sent our order out this morning. I'm like, oh no! Um, but I, I have to say, the people that went on this trip, like I'm forever like you guys are in my heart. It was, it was amazing. Um, a year ago, when this came up, I was like, oh no, I don't. know. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing a mission trip, and you know, I tease the people around here that. You know, God consistently loves to have me eat words because, you know, I, I went and it changed my life. It it was amazing. And um, I wasn't expecting. I thought I was going to do all these things for the people. And um, I came home and I just, I'm, I'm envious of them. They are um, peaceful. They're joyful. They have nothing. We have, if we fall on hard times, we always have family and friends around financially that could help us. Um, we always know that there's somebody there to take care of us. They have nothing there. Their families have nothing. They're, um, it's $150 a week they make with minimum wage. They don't have the ability to go to school and further anything. It's poverty everywhere. Um, that, that was very eye-opening to me. We we have our, our opinions on, well, why don't people help themselves? Why can't they do this? And we have people here, I have to be honest, I always thought we have people here in the United States we can help. We don't need to leave and go help other people. But, man, have I changed my tune. And um, well, the first place we went and I was very nervous was um, an orphanage because I thought, gosh, it's going to just tear your heart out, you know? And it had the exact opposite effect um, we walked into this place, and these kids, and there were older kids there, teenagers, 11, 12, 16, they came through and shook our hands, hugged us, looked us in the eye, Ola, I mean, it was beautiful, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're just not used to kids acting this way. Um, we went downstairs, and they have girl dorms and boy dorms, and It's just—it's a house. It's a big house, and it's a beautiful husband and wife who run it, and um, and we're just sitting there looking. Tony started. Two of them were playing the guitar, and Tony immediately, you know, started with that. So we're, you know, and you can't communicate with them very well. We had interpreters, but I love that part of it because you have to look someone in the eye and you have to try to communicate in a different way through a smile, through a touch through, And I loved it there because it was a lot of touching. It was hugging and, and kissing on the cheek and holding hands and that kind of thing, which we don't do here. And and I miss that. I love that part of of you know that human touch. Um, so we're sitting there, and one of the older boys grabbed a guitar and started playing, and the song Oceans came. You know he was playing, so. They all join in, these kids. There was like five of them sitting there, and three of them were singing it. And it was, that's such a beautiful song, anyway. And he told Pastor um, to tell us to sing it in English. So we're singing in the basement, Spanish and English. And it just was like, it just, it was so beautiful. Um, so I just, time after time, you know. We're handing people food, we're handing people things, and they look at you, and, and they they are so grateful and so gracious. And there's not cell phones on, there's not tablets in front of people, it was eye contact, and it was f- just human contact everywhere we went. And they have nothing, and they're so grateful every day. We have everything. And I read somewhere that you can't be grateful and anxious at the same time. Your 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 brain will not let you feel those two emotions at the same time. And they have everything to be anxious about, everything. Because every day they have to wake up and think about health, what if something happens, food to feed. And um, what was so cool is Wednesday, we were here for our food pantry and Ruby, the pastor's wife, sent us a message and there was torrential rains there and they can't handle torrential rains there. She wasn't complaining about that. She sent us a video to show us, but she was, they had no electricity for the day and they feed these kids at their church every day. And she was so happy because we bought peanut butter and jelly and bread. And that's what they could feed the kids. And she said, praise God. And I, thought, I told the kids at youth group, I'm like, you all would be complaining if we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But um, it, it just, I just, it makes me, it was hard. That was a hard transition to come back to, was we're not grateful enough for what we have. And um, they're grateful every day because they have to lean on God from the minute they wake up till they go to sleep at night. People are sleeping in in little houses that have cardboard and and boards lined up. They they have to live every day depending on God. And it's it's so beautiful. And um, so it made me walk away. And and a year ago, I have it on my screensaver here that he must become greater, I must become less. And it's, it's challenging to do here when we have so much. And so um, that was a great, great, great physical thing to see. And if you guys get this opportunity, um, I was one that said, no way, it's never happening. And I did it, and I can't wait to go next time. It's, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful experience.
0: just what powerful stories and the way people um, perceive different things um, a couple I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be quick today as I can I realize we're a little short on time but um, so I just have a couple stories to share and then um, just want to wrap it up with just a call to action for us but um, this team was incredible like I said um, a huge thanks to Dan Peichel um, he jumped on board, and said he would drive a 15-passenger van for the entire week across the streets of Tijuana, and that is not an easy task, and we just, my mom said that's one of our miracle stories of our trip, like Dan's expertise and him getting us everywhere we needed to go um, safely, so, um, and then just each of team member had such great skills and great things that they um contributed to the trip. And so it was so cool to watch people um, get out into their spiritual gift and their skill sets and just help people the way that God has um, called us to do. And also, um, I think they're watching this morning, but Pastor Rolando and Ruby um, for just blessing us for the entire week. It's interesting. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so glad when we're gone. Like carting around all these people, everything's taking longer. And they just looked at us and they're like, no, we love this. This is like a vacation for us. And I'm like, um but just because it got them back out into the streets and sometimes when you're doing ministry and you're in the day to day of it it's easy to forget um getting out there and just meeting new people but they just have such a heart for other people. Um so this morning our message as you saw is called talk is cheap because I feel like um in America oftentimes um we say a lot of things. We want to do a lot of things. We want to do well for others, right? But we don't always walk it out. So this morning, I don't want this to be a discouragement to you. I just want to encourage you to open your eyes to see the opportunities around us. Um, the world is waiting for us to move to action and follow through with what we say we're going to do. Um, this culture that we live in is filled with people who say one thing and do another. And so it's time for the church, our church, the whole church um, to step up and move to action and do the things that God has called us to do to partner with him in the restoring um, of his people. So he has called us to action this morning. As we began to prepare for our trip, we had a couple different trainings over the last couple weeks, and we just really encouraged the team to pray for each other, to pray for what um, God wanted for each of us. And then the week before we left, I shared this verse with our team and saw it come alive throughout our time in Mexico. It's from Ephesians 1, 15 through 18, and it says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to us or given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. This team had such a strong faith. It's not easy to make the sacrifice to take time off work, to be away from your family, to spend money um, that you may or may not have to experience a mission trip, but they had a love for God's people, and just as Paul was thankful for the church in Ephesus, I was so thankful for this team. Their faith and love were evident everywhere we went, and their participation in the great work that God had called us to do did not go unnoticed. The real evidence of God's work in our life is not our claim that we love him, but it's how our love pours out from us and other people see it. In Ephesians 1, Paul is asking God to give people spiritual wisdom and insight so that they may grow in their knowledge of God. I prayed this for our whole team, that they would see God in a new way, that throughout this entire trip that they would better understand who God is, the character of God, the things he's created them to do, and with this knowledge that we would see God's light pour out into the darkness, that it would not only invade our heart, but it would overflow to those around us. We saw the darkness of the world, and we have stories to share that we can barely process. How in the world can those things be happening in our world, in this world But yet, we are called to bring heaven to earth. God has called us to bring heaven to earth and to invade the darkness around us into those dark places, into those children that are sitting there that have been sold by their parents for money. Um, We invade the darkness. We have the opportunity to invade the darkness and bring light into their world. As we understand God more, I pray that we would all know the hope of the calling. And Paul talks here about the inheritance. He's not talking about like what money and assets you get when someone passes away. He's talking about us, the saints, as the inheritance. So as you work together, as you grow together, we inherit each other. As we were in Mexico, we worked on a couple of projects for the local church, um, and we just wanna thank you for the generosity to bless this church um, and their community. We supplied the materials and some of the labor to help them build a new kitchen so they were working in a kitchen smaller than our church kitchen here to um, prepare meals breakfast and lunch for kids every day um, and we were able to double maybe triple in size the space that they had um, and it was just a, such a blessing to be able to do that um, pastor Rolando shared with me on friday that they just have to put in countertops and they're done so we will have some um, pictures Um, To show in a couple weeks for that. As we were there, we also got to help with their Christmas gift project. So this was a fun experience for our team to um, go into this super secure facility and buy an Amazon pallet full of toys. Um, And then my mom had worked hard to match them um, up with the little name cards that she had brought. So our team was excited to do this. And speaking of the kids, how excited they saw Uh, or they were to see all of the presents under the tree already. And they were excited for the one toy that they were about to get in a couple weeks and that it would just bless them so much. Um, And like a couple other people talked about, we were able to just bless our volunteers as well. So... um, Stephanie started to share about this. One of the highlights from our trip was visiting the home of Obed and Evelyn. And they have, they called it an orphanage. It's more like a family home. But um, this home is filled with 15 children. These children were given up by their parents on the streets. Um, Their parents are involved in drugs, prostitution, other crime activity, and they come from horrible situations. But Obed and Evelyn have taken them in, they've created a family-like style in their home, they eat dinner together, they do chores together, um, they are educated, and their hope is just that they would be able to um, move on as functioning adults. The child care, foster care system is even worse in Mexico than it is here. So there's no hope of actual adoption for most of these kids, but their parents are willing to say, hey, you raise them and um, just give them up. But right off the bat, we heard some of their stories of children being on the streets, of being trafficked by their own parents. Um, I cannot personally process how anyone does this as a parent, um, but this is what these kids were living through and the kids attached to us right away. And I was actually upstairs during the song, activity that they did downstairs, but as I was sitting and praying with um, Evelyn upstairs, I could hear it just come up the stairs, and just how God's um, song and music unites us together, and in that moment, you could feel the Holy Spirit in that house, that he was there to do powerful things, that he was there to help this couple, help these kids process their pain, to get past the trauma that they've been through, um, so that they could see the love of Jesus. This couple is filled with so much. Faith with very little resources, and, um, but the thing he kept saying over and over is, you know what, we have each other, and we have God, and he's always our provider. So if we thought about things more often, instead of complaining about what we don't have, we know that we have God, and we have each other, and he's our provider. Watching our team pray for this family was one of the first um, moments where we were all moved to tears, and just watching um, our team pour into this couple who does this for no money. They don't get paid by the government to have these kids or help out, and so they're doing it day in and day out just to show the love of Jesus to these kids, Um, I think we have a picture of that. Um, So a phenomenal experience, and immediately I feel like um, our whole team there would have given them everything we had (laughs) Um, because we were so blessed by the experience. So Wednesday was the day we started the day making 200 tortas. So think ham and cheese, mayonnaise, sandwich, Um, in the hotel lobby to take to the homeless and to the city dump. Um, I witnessed our team giving away food with such a compassionate heart and praying for others and I loved their boldness to step out in uncomfortable situations to not worry about the language barrier but just pray that God would give them the words to say and know that their smile to the other individual could connect them immediately. God knows and he has the power to move. Um, So I don't know what you think of when you think of the city dump, but this is the picture of what we arrived to, and um, it there's about 200 people ish that are living in makeshift homes um, in this city dump. Most of them don't want to be found. Some of them, um, yeah, don't know who they are or where they came from or any of those things. But we took our team here. This is a place that we visited last year. However, when we arrived. Um, Armando, one of our interpreters, said, hey, there's another group here, but I'm sure we're going to be passing. (laughs) Um, And so we won't, like, be in their way. They won't be in ours. Well, I get there, and I'm a planner, if anyone knows, and I like my plan to go, how my plan's going to go, because I've prepared for this, right? But we get there, and the other team is not a team of 12 people. It's a team of, like, 75-ish people, I would say. So we walked down into the bottom of the dump and jokingly, they asked if I wanted to perform any marriages and I was like, well, new pastor. So I, maybe in a while. Um, But we were just immediately like, what's going on here? They had this huge tent set up. There was chairs like you would think, an aisle runner. Um, And we come to find out that this is a missions group that 10 years ago by accident performed a wedding at the city dump someone asked to get married they had someone there that could do it they performed a wedding which is not something any of these people would ever dream of doing Um, but this year they had 25 weddings that they were about to perform and I thought it was a little strange at first but didn't worry too much about it. We started playing with the kids. And then as we look around, as we start interacting with this other team, you see a tent set up for the brides. And they are in there. They get to pick a dress. They literally are getting white, like the filth wiped off of them. Um, Men are getting dress shirts and ties. Um, They're preparing bouquets and marriage certificates and everything you could imagine at a wedding. The night before, they had a sit-down carne asada dinner like you would for your rehearsal dinner. And they were um, doing everything they could to make these people feel special, to give them an experience that they never would have. And I think it was Janet that said, um, you know what, this is like, preparing the Bride of Christ. This is like people coming in, getting rid of the filth in our life, and preparing the church for what's to come. And these families would never be able to do any of this on their own. But yet here they are, people wiping down these women so that they are beautiful, doing their makeup, and just all of the details. And immediately, then I changed my tune for my little plan, and (laughs) was like, it's okay, it's okay. Um, But this organization saw past what they looked like. They saw past the life that they lived, the choices they had made, the reasons why they had even ended up in the city dump. What a display of compassion. As this was going on, all these kids are running around us, and these are the kids that live at the dump. Um, Armando goes there on a regular basis with his wife, Amalia, and they um, take kids home to their house, clean them up, give them a good meal, um, help them to get out of their current situation. But you could immediately see just the love that um, the kids had for Armando and um, that he was a safe place. These kids, their mom goes up the mountain to the recycling center about, I would say, probably a mile up the mountain. She works for a couple days. The kids take care of themselves down in their um, houses, areas that they live in. and they take care of each other. And in my journal, I wrote, and I have this up on the screen, the craziest part is how happy all of these children were. In the midst of their dirty faces and their clothes is a face that beams with the pride of their family and their home. Last year, at the dump, I met a little girl named Kimberly that I've never forgotten. And this year, with hundreds of people around us, I saw her again. When I showed her the picture I had of her, she immediately connected with me and barely left my side. She has the smile and sweet voice of an angel. She has the heart at 10 years old as she cares for others. And while I wish that I could scoop her up, take her from the filth and bring her home with me, I know that she loves where she's at. I will continue to pray that she is a light to those around her, that she can make her way out of the living conditions, but most importantly, that she knows that God loves her. And I think that, All of us thought we are going to go to Mexico and we're going to scoop these kids up and we're going to bring them back to America and everything is going to be fine. But you get there and you realize that's not what God has called you to do. God has called you to love on these kids, God has called you to pour into these organizations that love on the kids where they're at. Um, And so there's a picture of us that. I hope to share with her, Armando said he would take some stuff back to um, the dump, but she's just a precious girl, and I'll never forget, she, you know, is covered in dirt, but yet a ball hits my leg when they're playing soccer, and gets my pants dirty, and she kneels down and wipes it off. And its it was just, yeah, one of those moments that we will never forget. Um, And later that day, we did get to go back up and serve the sandwiches that we had brought. We were able to pray for um, a 17-year-old mom with a two-month-old baby who was just crying out for help, and she had nowhere to turn. She didn't have parents of her own. Um, And so it it ended up being a powerful time of prayer. And as Stephanie described it when we were there, how can our hearts be so broken and so full at the same time? And I think that really says it best. Like our heart is broken for the scenarios that are in this situation. The need in Tijuana is so great. And we constantly ask ourselves, how can we sow the seed in this area so that God can continue to work? How can we go back to such abundance and not forget what we saw? And we cried out that God would break our heart for what breaks his um, One of our last stops towards the end of the week was Pastor Rolando and Ruby's house. And last year, our church um, came together and helped to build a bedroom for his daughter. Some of you may remember. Um, And so we have a couple pictures of this. But they were able to take what was like a carport area and then create a second level, and then they actually were able to turn it into two bedrooms, so both of their daughters now have their own room, and that is because of your generosity and your call to just love on those around us. I was so impressed by their daughters as they went all over the city with us, not one complaint ever, Um, and they were so helpful. Abby was a part-time driver. (laughs) She's like, just trust me, you can do a U-turn here. We're like, no, I don't think you can. (laughs) Um, I told our team earlier this week, I'm driving like the people of Tijuana and everyone is honking at me. So don't do that here. But um, through our Compassion Fund, we were able to also bless them and their family as they do ministry. So there's so many stories that we would love to share and don't have time for this morning. But um, I just want to talk for just a few minutes about talk is cheap. We have to be people who don't just talk about the things of God and the desires he has for us but we have to walk them out. Mission trips are so important. Um, as Pastor Jordan would say, he thinks they are a vital part of our discipleship journey, and there's just a way to um, propel us further into what God has um, asked us to do. But these trips expose different cultures and circumstances, and they quickly remind us of how we have to be thankful at home. They encourage boldness to share the gospel, and but how do we take the things that we've seen Not forget them and how do we incorporate them into our day to day? In James 2, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in. Who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes? If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor person, you can sit over here or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God? the kingdom he promised to those he loved. Here, James is describing the incredible faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, but reminding us that it should never be associated with discrimination. None of us are better than the other. James is in a period of time where people are definitely called out based on Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, ethnicity, nationality, um, religious background, and The significant aspect of the work of Jesus was to break down these walls, to let us know we are all people of God. God looks at our heart, and so should we. To show partiality shows that we care more for the outward appearance than we do upon the heart. In 1 Samuel, it talks about that God doesn't look at our appearance. He looks at our heart. What is our heart showing the world as Christians? To show partiality shows that we misunderstand who is important and blessed in the sight of God? When we assume that the rich man is more important to God or more blessed, we put too much value on material riches. To show partiality also shows a selfish streak in us. Usually we favor the rich over the poor man because we assume that they can do more for us. He who, or he can do favors for us that the poor man can't. But he ha- God hasn't chosen the poor. Sorry. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God? Later in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a nice day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. We have to be able to see the opportunities around us. It's true that we can't do everything right? Sometimes we feel that. Even going to Mexico, you're like, man, what impact can I actually make there? But we have to do something. When we serve people, we have to communicate the love of Jesus, how important they are to God. I was reminded recently that the people we come in contact yet or with may not yet know that God loves them. Think about that. So every person that you come in contact with, they may not know that God loves them. Your life is a podium, and you are meant to hold your space and show the world who the living God is. What are we showing to the world around us? It's not enough for us to say we have faith and do nothing and walk past those opportunities that God has put in our path to serve others. In Mark 3, there's a story of a man with a withered hand who was sitting outside the synagogue. Most people walked by him every day. He'd just become somebody that was there. But Jesus couldn't leave him that way. He calls out and he heals the man. And notice this. The man hadn't even asked Jesus for a miracle. But Jesus poured out the miracle because of the deep compassion that was inside of him. He could not continue to walk by. It's taking time to stop our busyness long enough to notice the needs Jesus is longing for us to meet. Dino Rizzo in his book, Servolution, says, If we simply remember the King of Glory who sat on the throne with God the Father and crafted everything in the universe, the one who gave up all of his power and status to become a servant to those whom he created, and the one who came to, to earth to lay down his life for our sakes, then it wouldn't be too difficult for us to stop at the basin of water, pick up the towel, and serve others. We have to engage with the constant purpose of transferring God's love for others. And if we don't engage, they may never know. Sometimes it's easy to think, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where's best to serve, so I'm just not going to do anything. Um, and if you struggle with this, here are just a couple quick things that I would suggest. Number one, serve on a team at church. Maybe you're not ready or don't know how to get out into the streets of this community. But there's a spot to serve here, and I guarantee as you serve in this church, your eyes begin to open just to opportunities around the church. Who can you encourage on the team? What stories do they have to share? How can I help others? At the food pantry, we constantly see people who are just looking for someone to listen to them. So jump on a team at church, whether it's the welcome team, the cleaning team, any of our teams, and you will quickly find a way to serve with others and to encourage others towards love. Um, Read the stories in the New Testament about how Jesus saw the needs of others around him. If you read the stories of Jesus, you will see very quickly that he didn't walk by very many people that needed a touch from God and didn't move in a powerful way read the New Testament, read the stories of Jesus. Pray for your eyes to be opened and for God to give you boldness to walk out these opportunities. So when you wake up in the morning, God, what opportunities do you have for me? How can I open my eyes and see? How can I stop my busyness long enough to be able to have time to meet the needs around us? And lastly, ask for help. So if you don't know how to serve, if you don't know how to minister to others, ask for help. We're here. Our leadership team would love to walk alongside of you as you walk out something in your heart that God's put on your heart to help others. So ask for help. Tim, you can come on. Um, In the kingdom of heaven, talk is cheap, and we have to be the ones to do something. As we close our service today, I want to call us to action. We have to go all in to know Jesus. We have to make him known through evangelism to those around us. Earlier, Mindy mentioned um, how she saw people fill the altar when asked if they needed prayer. And we desire that same culture here in our church. It's so easy. Like she said, to get caught up in what will people think of us? What problems do they have? Oh, my goodness, they're up for prayer. Something must be going on. Um, But we have to stop that, in all honesty. Stop worrying about other people's problems. We all have enough of our own problems. Um, So this morning, I want to close the service a little bit differently. I'm going to invite our church family to come forward in prayer, but not for something that you need prayer for, but for a prayer for someone else right? So we need to open our eyes. There has to be someone in your life, in your world, in your job who needs prayer. Maybe they don't know Jesus. Maybe they're sick and need healing. Maybe they have trauma that they're working through. Everybody around us has someone that needs prayer. So sometimes we need to come forward and pray for others, not just ourselves. Our needs are important and we can bring those before God, but he has called us to reach out to those around us. And so often it starts with praying for the needs of others. I guarantee as you start to look outward towards the needs of others, you'll think your problems are not as important. It just helps us to get our eyes off of ourselves, get our eyes on Jesus and be praying for those around us. Frederick Buckner says the place God calls us to is the place where deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What are the needs around us? What does God want to break our hearts for that break Hib? Every day, there are moments in our very own community of people who need Jesus who need his compassion, who need someone to tell them that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are called by God, that he created them as a son or daughter of the king, and he sees them. And it's our job as a church body, as a Christian, to open our eyes to things around us, to ask God, where can we move today? What opportunities do you have to give to us today? So my prayer coming out of this missions trip um, is may heavenly things constantly interrupt our earthly things, our day-to-day, everything that we go to do. May God bring heaven to earth in those moments, in the simple moments, in the moments where someone looks at you and you know that they need prayer. Would he give us boldness to reach out to those people? Would he give us compassion in our heart to set aside judgment And not worry about how they got to where they are, but that they need the love of Jesus. We are called to love people to Jesus. Not just talk about it. Not just get up here on a Sunday morning and say, hey man, these are the things God wants us to do, and then walk out of here and not do them. As a church, we are called to love other people. And I know that is the cry of our heart to make Jesus known, to be Um, disciples and evangelize those around us, he's called us all to it today. Go ahead and stand. A couple people from our missions team, anybody that was on our mission team, you're welcome to come up to the front, um, are just going to be here to pray with you this morning. Um, So I encourage you, as we begin this time of prayer, to think about someone Right now, in your heart, that needs Jesus, that needs breakthrough, that needs healing, that needs for them to be seen by God. And let the cry of our heart pour out into their life. So, we're going to pray, and then Tim's going to um, sing, and we'll just have a time of worship, but we invite you to um, come forward to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, It is impossible to go on a trip like this and not be shaken and moved by the things that we've seen. As our heart has broken for the people of Tijuana and the difficulty they face day in and day out, the difficulty of ministry, let us not forget that there is a move of God ready and available for us as we walk this out let us not just speak with our words, but let our actions display the goodness of God. Let our actions display how much we love you and how much we know we are loved by you. We thank you that your character is good and just, and you have a heart for these people to see breakthrough in their life, to see physical healing. We thank you for every prayer request that we prayed over the last week, that we would be able to um, just remember those things, to continue to pray into those, to hear the testimonies of the people of Tijuana. But let us also move within the city of Urbandale. Let us have people come to our doorstep of this church who need Jesus, who are crying out for something different, who are crying out for more, that we would turn from the things that we focus on and place our priority on you. Father God, stir in our hearts. This team has a fire building up and I just thank you that they would begin to pour it out to those around us. That everyone in this church would see that we need Jesus and we need to display that to others. Father God, just bless this time of prayer as we come, as we focus on other people, as we focus on the compassion that you have put in our heart. Jesus. Let us speak Jesus to those around us.